Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean, and this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. And I've got a few gentlemen. No, actually, I don't. <laughs> Something a little different for you today. I got a, f- a couple ladies on the podcast with me today. Ladies, would you please introduce yourself and tell us just a little bit about yourself? I am Amanda Dean, married to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Married for 20 years, five kids, walking alongside you in ministry here at the church. Okay. All right. I'm Emily Arguello. I am married to Alex. We've been married for 18 years. Um, We have six kids, and I am currently teaching part-time. Okay. All right. So um, these ladies were a part of a panel of women that we had at the the women's uh, event just a month or so ago, and we didn't get through all of our questions, and we had much response, and we've had people requesting to get you guys on the podcast and answer some more questions, and so that's what we're going to try to do today. This is following up from our women's event, so thank you, ladies, for being on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I'm just going to get to interview them, basically. They're, they're <laughs> going to provide all the wisdom, and, and I just get to ask questions, <laughs> so this is unique. <laughs> all right, so we're going to jump right into this. Um, question came in that says, how do you juggle relationships within fight club, missional community, people you're on mission to while not neglecting other duties? Just a really simple question here, right? <laughs> it kind of sounds like, how do you do everything without neglecting anything? <laughs> we know the answer to that is you can't. So, you can't. um, how, how would you guys, Emily, I'll ask you first. How would you respond to that? Uh, how do you juggle relationships within all these different contexts? I think it's important to remember um, your priorities first of, of what the godly priorities that God has given you to who to first to tend to, that um, if you're married, that that first is to your husband, your priority is to him, and then um, to caring for your children and then working your way down into MC setting and fight club settings and the other relationships that he's given you. So I think that uh, uh, there's maybe a healthy ebb and flow that comes um, with spending uh, of how you're going to delegate your time after those things are taken care of, um, being thinking it through and having a plan for, okay, this is maybe even scheduling it by week. There are some needs I know of in my MC that need to take place this week, or I am going to schedule and make sure that I can get to fight club. Um, so you're scheduling those things into it. You're putting some intention into it so that it happens. And then you're also having some margin knowing that some things are just going to come up out of the blue. Yeah. What do you say? Um, I think, it, well, when we first learned about this whole living life in community, missional community, fight clubs, people you're on a mission to, and trying to be spending time with that amount of people, it was extremely overwhelming. And one thing that you said to me at the beginning was bringing the people into what you're already doing. So, like, you're going to take the kids to the park, ask somebody from your fight club or missional community to come with you. Um, you eat meal, you eat dinner seven nights a week, ask another family to come over one night a week. So that was super helpful for me to realize that it didn't have to be like, I have to be on mission to this person today. And now I have to do this today. It didn't have to be like an extra thing necessarily on our calendar, but welcoming people in to what we were already doing as a part of our normal rhythms too. Yeah. I think both of those are, are great ans- uh, answers. One, we have to prioritize. And then two, we have to remember that this life that God's called us to is an identity before it is behavioral. So mm-hmm. 
we are missionaries, we are servants, we are family. This is who we are. And so asking the question, well, how does family do these things? And what am I already doing? And can I do it with family? Mm-hmm. My, my family, my Christian family, can I do it on mission as a missionary? Can I, and, and it's, so it's not mission as something added to my already busy schedule, but I am a missionary, so I'm already going to get coffee. Let mm-hmm. me include somebody else. I'm already going grocery shopping. Let me include somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's important. And then setting our, setting our priorities. The, obviously, we can't neglect our family. Mm-hmm. We can't neglect our marital relationship and our kids for the sake of ministry. Mm-hmm. That's, that's obviously common. That's, that's been fairly common in the ministry that people would say they are, they're sacrificing their yeah. family on the altar of ministry. And that's a sin. Mm-hmm. Like w- yeah. we don't get to do that. And I know for us, and, and I, I know for all of us here, that our kids following Jesus is, you know, top of the list of, of our of important things. And we don't want to be spending so much time away from the home or so much time serving the church right. that our kids begin to hate the church mm-hmm. or right. have right. some kind of negative view of the church. right? Or think that that work outside is more important than them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, there will be for sure seasons of difficulty, you know, within your MC or whatever, where you will need to spend a certain amount of time on the phone or at a coffee shop or in a meeting with somebody. But that shouldn't be, you shouldn't be choosing that as the norm to where, like, oh, I don't have dinner on the table again because I was at the coffee shop for two hours this afternoon. Yeah. Like, that should yeah. be a, a rare exception. Your family is is the priority. One other piece of advice that I would I would give is, when it comes to setting the, the schedule of your fight club, try to do it in times that are not intrusive to your family. Mm-hmm. So before the kids are awake, after the kids go to bed, you know, when they're in school, something like that. Like mm-hmm. if you can schedule your fight club where you're not neglecting a specific, you know, time with your family, if time with your family is short, then that makes it, you know, more manageable. Yeah, that's good. So I've always done fight club either late at night or early in the morning, mm-hmm. you know, before the kids are, before the kids are awake or, well, now our older kids stay up late, but you know, seven thirty, eight yeah. o'clock or something like that. All right. Um, here's a question here. How do you disciple across a wide range of ages of children? This is good for all of oh us. Oh boy, here. yeah. <laughs> Toddlers who are just learning, along with older kids. So, how do you disciple across a wide range of ages of children? This is a complex question. Yeah. Because it, it, when they're toddlers, yeah. you just read them a bedtime story, right. and you, it's so simple. Right. Yeah. And they go to bed at a certain time, and now you know yep. you've got people that wake up early, people that stay up late, different levels of understanding. Mm-hmm. The little kitty books, the big kids don't get anything out of. So. Yeah. What do you, what do you think? Ladies? I think, well, I mean, I think for us, like so much of our discipleship, like family discipleship time happens around the dinner table. And I would say though that time is specifically geared more for the older kids. Um, as far as reading catechism, I mean, Essie, so she's three now. She has her two little catechism questions. Who made you? What is your purpose? So we ask her those and we clap for her and <laughs> all those things. <laughs> but for the most part, it's geared towards the older kids. Um, and then, but, you know, the middles, they, they, they're listening. They're getting something out of it, too. But then the breakdown as far as ages happens more at bedtime, I would say. Um, I'm reading Jesus Storybook Bible with Essie. Um, the middle two girls are 
having a different book um, read to them that's age appropriate. And then Javin and Zoe do their own devotionals. Um, they're kind of on their own as far as far as that goes. Yeah, I would I would say this specifically when it comes to us, this is this has changed as our kids have gotten older. Mm -hmm. So it was always age appropriate basically for Javin for the most part. Mm -hmm. And so it was smaller, little kid catechism types questions, Bible reading, stuff like that. And then as he's gotten older, we're, we're still gearing it kind of towards him and towards the older girls. Um, the, the catechism questions, now we have a book and we read the catechism and we try to memorize the answer. And then we actually, I do a, a kind of an exposition uh, from this book of, and then I ask really difficult questions at the end mm -hmm. that all the girls can answer except yeah. for Essie. But we also, every night we we sing the, the, the doxology mm -hmm. together, we, we quote a scripture together, and even Essie, who's three years old, can mm -hmm. sing the doxology with us and can quote, if she's not being too silly, the, <laughs> yeah. the, the scripture. Yeah. So we're still targeting her in that, right? Right. Because everybody's doing it together. Mm -hmm. But then, yeah, when it comes to the actual, you know, catechism, it's it's mainly geared towards my older kids, mm -hmm. right? right? And the other kids are kind of just picking up bits and pieces. Right, which ups the bar for the younger kids too, and I think it's a huge advantage to them. Like they're getting to, to learn how to to debate things or sit longer at the table or to listen to these things. Mm -hmm. I would say something we try to do, we try to do a lot of it at the dinner table too. And it starts kind of like with the easier questions at the beginning. And then sometimes we'll excuse the little kids and they'll go play or be silly. And then it, it lingers longer with the older boys of what we're going to continue to d dive into. And then that grows in depth. But I know you guys do this too, but like Saturday mornings or dates, specific dates with the kids or groups mm -hmm. of kids. That's what, I mean, my older ones are boys. So Alex handles all of that. Like that has been, that's been like tr transforming for them or they will do a Bible study together or a Bible challenge of how much they can memorize or read, um, kind of outside of that. And that, that kind of just fits into the schedule at other bits and times. And I would mm -hmm. say maybe for you guys too, a lot of our discipleship with the younger kids comes through their schoolwork. My kids' schoolwork mm -hmm. is saturated mm -hmm. in co conversations and Bible memory and things like that. So a lot of it just kind of comes on the fly too mm -hmm. within yep. studying and for homework and things like yep. that. Which I love. They, yeah. They're hating, you know, history or whatever. And I'm like, what, what is it? What, what's yeah, this? teach me about it. It's this Nehemiah guy. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> let's talk about it. I just did a sermon series last the last year on it. Yeah, you know, and I'm I get nerded out over even their, their Latin or whatever it is, and I and I'm wanting to engage them and I'm wanting to talk to them about it. They're the the even the fictional books that they're reading. If they're yeah. reading The Hobbit or or something like that, I want to be yeah. engaged in that. And I think both of those things are important. One. The dinner table, you're kind of treating them as a pack. You're trying, to, you're you're doing something that everybody can get something out of. But then at bedtime, and then in the reactive discipleship, the one-on-one -on -one dates, you're you're treating them as an individual because mm -hmm. every single one of them has got different personality, different struggles. You know, we have, um, you know, uh, three really huge personalities, and then we've got two more laid-back personalities, mm -hmm. and they all react differently and we can pick we need to be picking up when a one of the kids needs a date that's what we just yeah. call it just yeah let's go find out what's going on mm -hmm. how they're how they're feeling what where they're struggling what do they need do they need a, a new book do they need some resource do they need more time etc cetera, etc cetera. so mm -hmm. um 
Yeah, and I think none of us would say we've got it figured out. We are all mm. prayerfully exploring. Yeah, that's it's really options. hard. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's very hard. But it, I would say, our dinner table is a lot more fun now that we have older kids. Oh around. gosh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. When it was just young kids, it was yeah. just chaos. It- <laughs> Well, it still is a little bit. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It there's still, still is. There's still chaos. But, like, but when only one the four is kids, being chaos. Yeah, like yeah. the four kids ages seven and under trying to corral them at a dinner table. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. The catechism is stay in your seat. Yes. Finish Repeat your Repeat after me. Yeah. I will yeah. stay in my seat. Yeah. Okay. Um, here's a, a good question here. What habit or spiritual discipline has helped you in your spiritual walk? What habit? or spiritual discipline has helped you in your spiritual walk? Um, I guess a, sort of a habit that I have started to incorporate over the last few years is scheduling in like a rest day for myself midweek, and sometimes it's only like half a day of a rest day. Um, but basically like... So I typically will do it on either Wednesday or Thursday. So the first three days of the week, I plow through what needs to be done as far as food, chores, laundry, that kind of stuff to allow me the space, um, even if it's just for half a day, like in the afternoon when Essie's napping or whatever, where I can just do something that gives me life, whether that's something creative, um, if it's nice outside, messing around in the yard, extra reading time, extra podcast time, um, something that I know will... Uh, fill me up as opposed to just hustling through nap time to check more things off of my list. Um, something that I find restful and restorative and something that leads me to to worship. Um, so that has been super beneficial for me to have that scheduled in. Um, it doesn't always go as planned, you know, things come up, but as often as I can, having that scheduled in rest day for myself, middle of the week. Um, so on a practical level, like I make sure that dinner is really easy that night. So I'm not having to prep a bunch of stuff, um, during what should be restful hours. Um, so easy dinner. I don't do anything that I absolutely despise, like paying bills or being on the phone, making appointments, like things that I know sort of like drain me. I will make sure that I don't have to do any of that, um, on a, on my rest day. So how do you justify that? when there's so many things that need to be done during the week or during that day? Well, so when I first started doing this, I was actually, I would go to bed actually very frustrated Mm -hmm. because I'm like, this, this was pointless because Mm -hmm. now look how far behind I am for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So honestly, having those, those two lead up days, um, be, fruitful in the sense that like, okay, I know that like the mandatory things are taken care of. So now Wednesday is like, I have the space to rest. Mandatory things are taken care of. And even if they're not, even if they don't get taken care of, I think that I've grown to see the benefit of having those two to three hours of just being really intentional about doing something that gives me life, Mm -hmm. you know? And I guess step one is figuring out what that is. Um, So I think that it can be a struggle to know like, well, what does give me life? What does help me feel like extra restful? Um, 
the first few times I tried it, I'm like, well, people like Netflix and chill. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to just Netflix and chill, and that's going to be restful because that's what, every, what that means, that's what everybody does. I, I wasn't a part of that. So I, don't so I, tried, I tried that a couple of times, and I'm like, wow, I just feel like a lazy turd, actually. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I know when you've done that because either, yeah, you work in the yard, but you also like to do those adult coloring books or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You come, any uh, sort of like painting or coloring, yeah, anything creative like, like that is. So, yeah, I love that kind of stuff, but figure out what that is for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if it's lunch with a friend or being with people, like if that is gives you life, then, you know, try and work that in. Um, if it's alone time, you know? Just spend some time praying and thinking about what is it that, that gives me life. And yeah. Emily? I would say getting up before the kids is one of the biggest things that helps me kind of stay steady or um, that I've seen, yeah, that I've seen that helps me kind of stay steady through hard days or busy seasons or just the normal day. Getting up and um, just kind of getting notes down about what the day is going to be like if I am not planned, but then time reading and praying before that they wake up. Um, we always, we do Sabbath on Sundays. Um, so that is a time where no housework is done. So we try to do something life giving as a family that everybody kind of rests from their work and, um, enjoy something, usually trying to be outside as much as we can or something that's just going to make us laugh or have fun, but everybody has to, has to break. And that's, um, that's still a tricky thing. (laughs) That's still a tricky thing for me. Like you were kind of saying of the hardness of now look how, how far behind I am, but I just have to remind myself of the lies that I'm believing there of that I have to work seven days a week or I have to keep on doing things or accomplishing things that would produce stress, like to try to take away the stress that's coming down the way. Um, but no, this is being obedient to the Lord. And there's usually always, Alex and I always make time because if you're, if you're trying to, for everybody to Sabbath and everybody to do something restful, oftentimes the kids' idea of that and your idea of that are quite different. Mm-hmm. Um, so we always try to at least make a half an hour to an hour of what we're doing, whether that's taking a nap or I like to cross-stitch or play the piano um, or read. So we try to carve that in where they, that's then usually when they get screen time or something else that they want to do. Yeah. I think that's, those are all good things you know, the only one who gets their to-do list done every single day is God. All right. Mm -hmm. We all leave things undone every single day and we're commanded by God to rest at least one day out of the week and to set rest and worship, right? Like that's not just laying on the couch doing nothing. That's worshiping God, but it's resting from our work and the work underneath the work, the work of justifying ourselves by how much we get done. Uh, whether how productive we are, mm-hmm. how great parents we are, we're resting from that work that's underneath the work. And that work of trying to prove ourselves, that work of trying to justify our existence by our productivity, that's what really wears our soul out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. whether it's you know spending time doing something creative, whether it's just hanging out together as a family, I think both of those are um, the spiritual practice of Sabbath. I mean, it, it is, you know, that that's what that's what you're talking about, mm-hmm. figuring out yeah. when you can you can Sabbath and. Um, I think it's really important. That's that's good. Emily, I'm going to ask you this one. Um, How do I create a flourishing home as a new believer with older children? Mm. I ask you this one because you... That's a situation that we were in. Yeah, Mm -hmm. have been in, are in. Um, 
Oh, boy. Um, I would say, I think it may be tying off of the sermon yesterday about if that, if the heart change has come in you, if it's, if it's an internal change as a new believer that now the implications of believing the gospel are going to come out and that's going to look attractional to your kids, as opposed to it being a surface level thing where now there's a list of rules that I have to perform as a Christian. And now I'm going to impose them on everybody in the house and they're going to conform whether they like it or not. I think that's, um, something that we still continue to pray for, for our oldest who lived half of his life with us, not, knowing the gospel, believing the gospel, living out the gospel is that he sees it as attractional. He sees it as true and, um, that he wants that, that, Mm -hmm. that he, that he, you know, that there was repentance for the way that the home was like before. And he can see that we've owned up to that and we're sorry for the way that it's affected him. But moving forward, our house is going to be filled with grace and we're going to love the Lord and we're going to serve the Lord. And we want him to taste and see that that is good. So I think I have to, I, my tendency is to, I like, I loved rules. I really like rules. <laughs> the more rules, the better. And I still, I still battle with that, even though I, I know that it, that's a lie and that's not going to produce any fruit in my kids. So I have to get the rules down and cause I think that that's going to give me the control or the happiness or that's going to produce the kid that I want. And I have to continue to be renewed inside and have that kind of flow out into our home. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, I think obviously it's, it starts with the parents. The parents have to have the life of God on the inside of them. And that's evidenced by repentance first. And so repenting to your kids, no matter if they're six or 10 or 12 or 18, and just say, hey, I did not lead you well. And listen, if you, we we always reap what we sow. So if you sowed poor seed, poor parenting seed for 10 years, you can't expect to get a great harvest on year 11, right? Mm -hmm. It's going to take some time. Now God can do supernatural work and year 10 to 12, he could cause that seed to multiply 30, 60 to, to even a hundred fold. But you can't, if you're, if you've just become a Christian, you can't expect your kids to outgrow you, right? To, mm-hmm. to outpace you. Mm-hmm. And many times what parents want is day one of becoming a Christian, they want Christian kids mm-hmm. that begin to have more sanctification than they possess. And that's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like you are going to outpace your kids. So you've got to continue to grow in holiness and godliness and godly character before your kids are ever going to, yeah. you know, to, to pick up, pick mm-hmm. up that mantle. So I think those are good things. Starts with repentance, starts with internal work. You can't just impose it from the outside though. You do have to say we are changing things and we are going to be a Christian home now, and we're not going to serve these other idols and these other gods. And so yes. that, that might make you upset, but we're not going to do that anymore. And I'm going to continue to bear fruit keeping with repentance. And then it's giving your kids the gospel literally on a daily basis over and over Mm -hmm. and over and praying for them and asking God to do what we can't do, which is, Mm -hmm. which is change hearts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Okay. Another ginormous question. How do you manage all things under the home (laughs) and keep those things in balance, spiritual life, marriage, exercising, Meals, parenting, etc. I feel like this is pretty similar to one that we 
answer it, I guess, already. But, well, like Emily talked about, like, the tiers of importance, like, in that huge list of categories. Um, and there was actually also a similar question on the panel, and Gretchen's answer was, like, do not neglect your spiritual life. Um, we can so easily fill our days, I mean, every minute, with all of that stuff that you just listed off. Um, but if we are spiritually dry and suffering and not walking with the Lord, um, none of that will be fruitful and none of it will be from a heart of, of service and it'll just be getting stuff done, yeah. you know? So that would be number one in that list. Do not neglect your, your spiritual life. Um, have an awareness of where your own heart is at. Um, if you find yourself in a certain mood or having an attitude, um, where is that coming from? Have you been neglecting your time with the Lord? Um, are your priorities out of line? Are you putting too much value on the to-do list or too yeah. much value on any of those categories? It can be exercise. Am I spending too much time at the gym? Am I too focused on my food? Am I, um, you know, any of those categories, can e you can easily get swept up in them. Yeah, I would just tie that back to yesterday's sermon as well. If you're not yeah. abiding in Christ, yeah. you can do nothing. That's what yeah. Jesus says. So if we want spiritual fruit in our marriages, in our character, in our parenting, in our home, then the top priority is to abide abide in Christ, to yeah. abide in his love. And so daily time with the Lord, you know, reading his word, worshiping, mm -hmm. obviously Sunday morning, missional community, these things that fight club that are meant to, you know, do the good work of pruning and, and um, you know, spirit created fruit. Mm -hmm. We've got to keep that as a, as a priority. Yeah. Yeah. The I next, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <clears throat> I was going to say the next thing under or so our spiritual life would be a priority. And then most people, many people get this wrong. The next most important thing in your home is your marriage. Yeah. And <clears throat> this is important because once kill children get added to the mix, you will have, especially if you're a mom, you will have a, a deeper connection with your children naturally than you will with your husband mm -hmm. because they're flesh of your flesh. They were inside you, right? Mm -hmm. Like they, you have that maternal instinct that has a more natural affection towards them than you will to your hus husband. And what is common is if you prioritize the children over the marriage, the marriage will suffer and the marriage can become lifeless and dead. Mm -hmm. And then when the kids move out, the marriage is on its last leg, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And God teaches us that in his, in his word, that the, the marriage itself is primary. The marriage itself is more important um, than the kids. And that's hard to get our minds around. And we're not saying neglect the kids by any means, mm -hmm. but we must foster intimacy, you know, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional with our spouse and, and that vital connection that's got to be a priority over the kids because the kids are the, um, the, the kind of the, the vacuum that will, they'll fill. Yeah. They can suck it all. They will mm -hmm. take it all. Mm -hmm. they, they will take it all. They'll take every ounce of energy. And by eight o'clock at night, you just are dragging yourself to bed, right? Mm -hmm. Or nine o'clock at night, you're dragging yourself to bed. And that's a lack that can be a lack of self-control and a lack of discipline. Because self-control says, knows how much energy I have, how much intentionality, how much, you know, whatever it is that I have in me. And I, I, 
can give this much to this area today, yeah. right? So I remember when the, the kids were young, we had a hard and fast, like 7.30, mm-hmm. you know, bedtime. Like it was, when the kids were young, it was 7.30. Yeah. And so glorious. It was great. <laughs> and it was just like, you're going to bed and I don't care if you're up there for another hour reading, and but you're going to go. And this is, you know, our time, right? It, yeah. It's not like that as no, much now anymore. Now we're getting home from practices at nine o'clock at night, and it's <laughs> mm-hmm. or birthday parties last night, yeah. at nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's important to think of our priorities in a tiered system. That at the very bottom, the the, the foundation is is our spiritual life and walk with Christ, and then above that is the marriage. Mm-hmm. If the marriage fails, your parenting's going to fail too. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So, Yeah. I really hate the word balance or maybe I just hate the way that women use it right now. So I think being faithful maybe would be a better way to think about it is how can I be faithful with each of those things? So that obviously first and foremost goes to what you just said of like the tiered system of, of prioritizing what God says, but then of of thinking about it, of how can I today, how can I be faithful with all that is on my plate that I could do and being open-handed with how you choose to spend your time. Maybe the gym is a huge priority in one season, but then in, in another season, it can't be, it has to move down a little bit. And I think a lot of Maybe in the struggle I hear women talk about it, it, it alludes to what you hit on at the end of the women's event when you pulled out the verse, I think, First Peter 3, about fear. I think we get, we want to find a balance or we want to find a routine or a structure that's going to fix everything or it's going to be the plug and play to get the life that I want. And then it's that's motivated out of fear that I'm going to fail. And some of it could be good failure, like that I'm not going to be faithful to God with what he's given me. But I think a lot of times women can get hung up on how do I balance all of this when it's just motivated by fear of not looking good or dropping mm-hmm. the ball in some area, um, as opposed to like having open hands and being faithful with what, mm-hmm. what God has given you and asking him to give you eyes to see what to do today or what to do focus on in this season and then stepping into that courageously and, and joyfully and being willing to redirect if somebody redirects you that that's not the focus or the priority right now. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. I think <clears throat> one thing that would be helpful when we're, we're not, we're not playing this, I don't know how to say this, but a zero-sum game where we can invest equally in all things and get equal results and do and therefore end the day with like, we did it perfect. Mm. That there is going to be a trade-off. There's always a trade-off. And I need, I need to be able to see where is God calling me to prioritize and invest my time today or even in, yeah. in this moment. And some of it is what's going to get the best results right now. Like if I'm exhausted, what's going to get the best results? If you're exhausted, you might need to rest Mm -hmm. or you might need to do something that's brainless. You Mm -hmm. go clean the kitchen. You do, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You just do your tasks when you're, when you're exhausted because you can do those things. Mm -hmm. But date night when you're exhausted might not be the best thing. Mm -hmm. Or having a difficult conversation with your kid when you're exhausted is probably not the best use of the time. But we need, and then sometimes it's going to be, this child really needs to, me to invest in them this week or this month, or we really need to focus on our marriage. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to take a weekend away and we're going to go just get away for a weekend and just refocus as, as a couple, right? We're going to go on a drive and we're going to get somebody to watch the kids or whatever. But it's always, it's always a trade-off. I think of the, the parable of the talents, the guy that, you know, God gives different talents to different people 
and then one guy just kind of sits on it, does nothing. The other guy invests it and, and multiplies it. And then the other guy, you know, blows it up and does, does a great job. We've all been given a lot of investments, whether it's, I mean, think of it, our DNA, our IQ, that we didn't choose our IQ, right? The, the amount of energy that we have in a day. Yeah. We, mm-hmm. Some people have more than others, right? Yep. And God's given us these talents and we have to be wise stewards of them and be faithful to invest them appropriately where we need to invest them. If some, if you're doing something that's not producing good results, I, and it's not a biblical requirement, I would say yeah. reevaluate that and pull that back. Yeah, mm-hmm. you might have a, a group of ladies that you met with since college, and it's just you know it's a thing that you do, but it's not really bringing a lot of results, and it's mm-hmm. taken up. So just stop investing in that, mm-hmm. right? You might be a part of a book club. Who knows? I'm just making stuff up. Yeah. Stuff, man. yeah. But reinvesting and saying, okay, now I, I have this time. I have this. Where should I be investing it? Mm-hmm. What, what's going to bring the most results in my kids, in my marriage, et cetera? Yeah. I think that also, you then also have to, to live in reality of who you are, how, what your frame is, how you're made and who the people are around you. Um, not gravitate to, towards maybe something you've seen done or someone else has done. You need to know your people, you know, need to know what they need, what's going to bless them, um, and know your own frame of what, how much you can handle mm-hmm. and, and what is going to push you over the edge and all of that. Not, and not maybe your ideal or some made up world, but, yeah. but mm-hmm. confront reality. Yeah. Amanda knows yeah. that, Intense people situations zap her of strength mm-hmm. relatively quickly, right? Yeah, yeah. Am I speaking oh, for you or oh, is that accurate? No, that's accurate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mean, honestly, like humbly acknowledging the way God has created you and your weaknesses and accepting them and not trying to fight against them, not trying to just caffeinate more or pray for, you know, something to change within you necessarily, um, but yeah, just knowing the way that God has created you and saying, okay, this is the capacity I have. This is the energy I have. And honestly, I feel like social media has tainted this so horribly because we can so easily see all these other women doing all these other things. And it can cause you to sort of like despise your own life or despise what you have been given or um, the, the capacity that you have and just say like, why can't I do more? Why can't I do the garden and the gym and the sourdough and the, you make know, this, 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 yeah. And make my clothes. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. list gets so long. So it does require humility to say, okay, this is what God has given me for this season in life and humbly accept it. And then ask him for wisdom with how to use that time and energy that you have been given. Yeah. You could, I remember, you know, back when you guys did the band and you sang at different places and stuff, you could go and sing from nine until 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. And the next day, you know, you'd, you'd be a little worn out. Yeah. But if you're in an intense counseling situation for an hour or two, yeah. you're, you don't want to speak the rest of the day. <laughs> no, that's, that's very true. You just know some things, something, everything requires energy, but some things give you energy back yeah. and some things take energy from you. And sometimes it's people, sometimes it's studying, sometimes it's ch- chores and housework and whatever else. You just have to know your frame. I think... Mm-hmm. That's a good Yeah, and I mean, this kind of, the question we answered earlier is kind of like along the same lines as far as an answer of like, know know who God has created you to be. And I do feel like a lot of times young moms, the common, there's a common complaint, like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't even know who I like or what I like or what I want to do. So 
I would just encourage you to give yourself some space. Maybe that's a solitude day for yourself um, to go be alone, journal, think, reflect, think back on even like when you were younger, high school days, like what did you really enjoy doing? What brought you joy? What, what brought you life? Um, pre-kids. Um, so create some space to, to learn about yourself and learn about who God has created you to be. And it's good. All right. Last one. It's pretty similar to another question that we already had. Um, it might, if it's the same thing, you guys let me know. And maybe we've already answered this. It just says what habit or discipline has deepened your relationship with Christ. Oh yeah, you already asked that one. I didn't. I said it was phrased a little, a little different. different. It was what habit or spiritual discipline has helped you in your spiritual walk. Oh. Hmm. It's very similar, but yeah. um, this one is more, I guess it's just more focused on on Christ and it also habit or discipline. So is there anything else that comes to mind or is it the, the same thing? What habit or discipline has deepened your relationship with Christ? This might be a little wonky, but I would like my true answer to that would be would be quick repentance to my husband when I sin. Mm -hmm. I would say more than anything, I have felt the love that Christ has for me, the acceptance and the forgiveness he has by watching my husband forgive me and cover the sin and and move forward. Um, So I'm not saying you you, now you need to drum up sin to, to feel that, but just holding like a when I sin against him, I'm going like, we're not going to let that slide under the table. We're going to, we're going to make it right. And I would say hands down, that's the biggest thing that I have felt like being forgiven by him Mm -hmm. is what has made me understand love and forgiveness. That's great. That's good. Yeah. And I mean, that goes with kids too. I think repenting to my kids when I sin against them, um, acknowledging the sinfulness behind my own behavior towards them. And then, seeing them say, I forgive you. And then, you know, they remember the repentance. You know, I don't think they have ever pulled up like an incident where I've yelled or, you know, lost my temper or anything, but they're like, mom, remember that one time when you repented to me? (laughs) Like (laughs) when you said that you were sorry for whatever had happened that day, like they remember the repentance. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Martin Luther said that uh, in his 95th theses, his first one was, that all of the Christian life is that of repentance, Mm -hmm. that we don't just repent on day one, we continue to repent because we continue to sin and we need to own it, acknowledge it, confess it, repent and be forgiven, right? And marriage and parenting without the gospel becomes a constant power play where the, the husband and the wife are trying to win arguments and trying to get their way, whatever their mm-hmm. way is. And so the arguments, we we forget about the issues sometimes and we just want to win. Yeah. We just want to win. Yeah. And that will that will produce works of, that is works of the flesh and that will not produce fruit of the spirit. Repentance produces fruits of the spirit, right? And same thing with our kids. We don't want to just put a heavy thumb on our kids and make them do what we want them to do, although mm-hmm. In our own sin, we do want them to do that, <laughs> right? Um, and so when we're wrong, when we spoke, ra- I mean, and parenting, like I am a fast processor and I'm a fast talker and I have an assertive personality. And there's many situations when it comes to parenting where you feel like you're in the seat of Solomon and, you know, the woman comes to you and says, this woman killed my baby. Remember, there's mm-hmm. two babies oh, yeah. and there's two women. Yeah. And he's like, okay, split the baby in half. And then she's like, N-. the real mom's like, no, don't split the baby in half. And he uses mm-hmm. this you know, supernatural wisdom to decipher 
the situation. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm in that situation, but I make the wrong decision yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I think you're the one lying. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah. like? But, and then come to find out, nope, that one wasn't lying. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for disciplining you with that, or I'm sorry for choosing that. And I've got to repent to you. Mm-hmm. Will you please forgive me? And it's that type of language and that type of culture in the home yeah, it's... is beautiful to see. Yeah. So just, I got to tell the story. We had Essie's birthday on Saturday. Essie just turned three and her sisters just adore her. And Nora got some, I don't even know if it's expensive, but it's some kind of fancy makeup or something. And she always hides it from Essie. But on her third birthday, she was going to let Essie, uh, you know, put some on her face and do this kind of thing. And so they're (laughs) upstairs. But of course, you know, as soon as Nora turns her back, Essie just puts her fingers completely like in Mm -hmm. every color of, of the makeup. And Nora comes down. And she's bawling and, oh, I knew it. You know, she was going to do this and I'd never let her use it. And, you know, all this, all this kind of stuff. And it was, she was giving grace to Essie, which was awesome. And then Essie was taking advantage of that grace. (laughs) But then Essie comes down, Essie comes down the stairs and uh, she's, she just sticks her hands up in the air, her three-year-old little hands. And she says, daddy, I forgive her. I forgive her. And uh, I was, I was like, "You mean you're sorry?" Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> but she was like, "I forgive her." And it's like, "Well, no, you have to ask for forgiveness." You're the one that yeah. sent here, honey. You, you're the one that sent here. But in her mind, the the they sis- went together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went together. Yes, it went together. In her mind, she knew there's there well confession, but there needs to be forgiveness. Like mm-hmm. I made a mistake, and I forgive her. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, no, Nora forgives you. And there was hugging and there was makeup and repentance and it was great. But it was just, in a three-year-old, you see the gospel, yeah. you know, yeah. dynamic at work. Yeah, which is, they are picking up on the rhythms. You think they're oblivious yeah. to it, but they're not. They're learning. All right. Well, that's all of our questions. So, ladies, I just really appreciate you guys being on the podcast today. And mm-hmm. you guys out there in podcast land, if you've got any more questions that you would like us to ask and answer, you can email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. And we would love to have the ladies back on the podcast to maybe tackle some other issues. Maybe we can have an ongoing segment with these ladies and, (laughs) you know, all right. So we love you. We're praying for you. God bless. (laughs) 